This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. With more than 300 confirmed COVID-19 cases affecting 10 provinces, more and more aspects of our daily lives are being severely impacted by the global pandemic. And that has Canadian health officials asking anybody who may possibly even remotely have been exposed to the virus to self-isolate. But as Kristen Robinson reports, it remains voluntary. In order to help contain COVID-19, Starbucks to go, the coffee chain embracing social distancing, moving to a to-go model in all company-owned stores in Canada and the U.S. for at least two weeks. Seating will be removed and customers encouraged to take their latte with them. It's now everything, every traveler should self-isolate. The country's top doctor says preventing the further spread of the new coronavirus is in our hands. Canadians urged not to travel unless it's essential and anyone arriving in Canada should self-isolate for 14 days, an urgent plea that's very difficult to enforce. It is impossible to be essentially keeping tabs on every single traveller that come in. This is a social phenomenon. This is a societal response and everybody must take that responsibility. Whether it's time to close the border, a question the Prime Minister addressed in an interview with CTV's question period from outside his home where he's self-isolating. We have taken some very strong measures and we're not taking anything off the table. Uh, we are looking daily at uh, next steps that we might take or we should take uh, and those conversations continue. BC casinos remain open even as Ontario gaming operations shut down amid growing COVID-19 concerns. But that could change depending on advice from health officials. Pacific Centre reducing its hours during the pandemic. Lululemon and Nike among the retailers temporarily closing stores to limit the spread of the virus. And at least one BC grocery store opening an hour early and fully stocked to let seniors shop first in a stress-free environment. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And WestJet is now advising that a passenger on a March 10th flight from Vancouver to Kelowna has tested positive for COVID-19. Close contacts on flight 3326, passengers sitting in rows 10 through 16, may be at risk and 14 days of self-isolation is strongly recommended. With the focus on stopping the spread of the coronavirus from travelers coming into the country, many arriving at Canadian airports are surprised by the seemingly limited screening measures that are being carried out to stop the spread, if they know about it at all. Paul Johnson joins us from Vancouver International Airport. Paul, what are travelers telling you? Uh, they're saying they're confused. 
you know, YVR is the single biggest entry point in all of Western Canada for people coming from international destinations, specifically those countries most affected by COVID-19. Presumably, this would be the place where the government's communication about the self-isolation rules would be most effective. We've been talking to people as they've been landing here all day, and a large portion of them are not getting that message. So just how effective is the government's crisis communication at this point in the pandemic? I strongly recommend that all travelers coming from outside of Canada take the additional precaution to self-isolate for 14 days. That's Canada's top doc, Theresa Tam, reiterating a policy that was announced provincially several days ago. That means everyone you see here coming through arrivals at YVR is supposed to go straight home and stay there. But how many got the message at the airport? We're asking people what kind of um, a flu precautions you're seeing as you come through. Nothing. Did they verbally tell you you're supposed to self-quarantine now for two weeks? No. Okay. Are you aware that that's now the policy here? Is it really like yeah. it, from every country? Yes, from every country. That traveler just made it back after a long journey from Nepal. How surprised should we be that weary travelers are confused when the information they're being given upon arrival is inconsistent? I'm going to self-isolate for the flu because it's very a lot in the Philippines. Those who are up to speed seem to have been researching the situation before flying. And some tell us Canada seems as proactive as any place right now. We've been following this closely for days and we think Canada's really on top of this. But some of the most withering observations came from returning Canadian healthcare practitioners Sunday. We were just talking about it. It's, it's, uh, I thought it was pathetic. Yeah, I don't think it's appropriate given everything we've been reading in the news. We were expecting that there was going to be someone standing at the gates just telling everyone returning from even the United States that you have to self-isolate, but there was no one there. You know, and that seems to be one of the most confusing things for people. They have the sense that if there was a government directive that was so important, they would have been verbally told that by the customs officer when they clear customs. And the customs officers are not telling them that. Instead, they're giving them this handout, which talks about coronavirus. And uh, basically what it says is to monitor your health for the next 14 days. And if you are feeling sick, to avoid places where you cannot easily separate yourself from others if you become ill. I think that language is going to sound very different from what these leaders are telling us, which is that you're immediately supposed to go home and self-quarantine. Here's one other observation here at the airport. Cody, I'm going to get out of the way and let's do a shot across here in the arrivals area. In a lot of different big crisis situations I've covered around the world in the past, you have government officials physically there with kiosks, handing out information, answering people's questions. A lot of passengers say they want to comply and do their best to help. We don't have anybody here, so for people who are arriving in Vancouver, after they've cleared customs and been given that handout, they're just heading off into the city. Colleen? A worrisome situation. All right, thanks for that, Paul. Our chief legislative uh, bureau chief, rather, uh, Keith Balder, joins us now. Keith, no daily briefing from B.C. health officials today, Mm -hmm. but we're expecting a major announcement from them tomorrow. 
Yes, I just uh, I did talk to Health Minister Adrian Dix over the phone today. He tells me tomorrow's briefing is going to be, in his words, a major one. He says, in, again, in his words, it is a rapidly evolving situation. Uh, we don't have the numbers of the new cases for tomorrow, but I expect them to be a significant increase, given that we have had no update since 10 a.m. Saturday morning. Uh, so at least double-digit increase on top of the 73 confirmed cases we have now. Also, I expect we're going to get more information of those new assessment centers that are going to be established in uh, parts of Metro Vancouver and other urban areas where you can go and get tested, but only on the direction of 811 or a physician. A medical practitioner can be the only way you can go. You just can't show up and get an assessment. More information on that tomorrow. Probably more information on the status of elective surgeries calling. Adrian Dix has been hinting about this and Dr. Bonnie Henry. Uh, at some point, that will have to be addressed because the numbers are expected to greatly increase now, and the number of hospitalizations are probably going to increase as well, which has ramifications for people who might be in hospital or expected to go into hospital, and there may not be room for them if this virus really takes hold. Uh, so the briefing is tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., over here in Victoria from the Legislative Press Theatre. We'll be carrying it live on BC One and live streaming it off our global website. So it'll probably last an hour. I know a lot of people have been tuning in when Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix put on these briefings. They're fascinating things to watch because all sorts of information comes out, and I think tomorrow will be a major must-view because there's going to be a lot of info there. I think I agree with you on that. Thanks, Keith. Yeah. One of the more surprising turn of events in this outbreak is the sudden shutdown of Whistler Blackcomb. What's normally a jam-packed recreation and vacation spot during spring break has been upended by the COVID crisis. Sophie Louie has the latest from Whistler. Well, there are still people here in the village, Colleen, people enjoying uh, a patio um, meal, uh, you know, sort of wandering around the village, but it's definitely surreal here. People seem almost stunned, and the mood is definitely subdued here in the village. Very different from what you would normally expect in Whistler at this time of the year. All that snow on a bluebird day, and all these skiers can do is look up longingly at the mountain that is now closed. Vale Resorts announcing a one-week closure of all of its North American ski resorts, including Whistler Blackcomb, after looking to local health officials for guidance. A huge disappointment to visitors who just arrived. Just arrived from Hamburg, Germany yesterday, and now we had a nice surprise. Overnight decision, skiing area closed. At the start of spring break, this village should be packed. Instead, it looks more like shoulder season, with people wandering wondering what to do next. And it was a dream holiday to come to Canada skiing. Last night we got the news the mountains closed and we are here today in the morning and it's a different town. And families are now scrambling to figure out how to fill the rest of their kids' time off. We're leaving Whistler. We're going to uh, Big White. Blackcomb employs nearly 5,000 people. Vale Resorts says those who are on the schedule will be paid. But there are many more who work at all the restaurants, bars, hotels and shops here who just don't know what's going to happen next. Right now we're supposed to be really busy and without be, without all the tourists being here, it's, oh, okay, it's yeah, just yeah. going to hugely impact like our business. Jim Salisbury owns three coffee shops in Whistler. There are still customers right now, but it's a wait-and-see scenario. We're trying to stay as busy as we can, uh, but obviously longer term, uh, there may be some impacts to the number of hours that we have available. From local businesses to government coffers, this will be felt. How much depends on how long it lasts. Tax revenue from the mountain is $1.4 million a day. But of course, that's when it's open. 
For now, those still here are trying to make the best of it, even if that means hiking up the hill just to get in 30 seconds of skiing out of what was supposed to be a two-week trip. How was it? Lovely. One minute skiing for 22 hours travel. Quite efficient. Now, the outbreak has not actually reached Whistler. There are no confirmed cases here in Whistler uh, at the moment. But up the Sea to Sky Highway in Pemberton, uh, they've shut down the community centre because someone who attended a public meeting there tested positive. That meeting happened last Wednesday evening. So it just goes to show how seriously officials are taking COVID-19. For the moment, again, uh, Whistler Blackcomb is closed, effective today until March 22nd, next Sunday. That's what is officially being said. But beyond that, Vail Resorts still doesn't know. It's taking this time to assess the situation and decide on next steps for the rest of the season. Back to you. Sophie Louis in Whistler. Of course, Whistler Blackcomb isn't the only resort to announce a closure. A North Shore Ski Hill and an Okanagan resort are also suspending operations. Jordan Armstrong joins us live with those details. Jordan. Colleen, Cypress Mountain is now closed indefinitely. The announcement was made this morning and the lifts stopped turning at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Grouse and Seymour are apparently staying open for now and even offering discounted passes. Staff say cleaning has been increased and at Grouse, the sky ride is only being loaded to half capacity. Back at the now closed Cyprus, officials say their top priority is the health and well-being of guests and employees. They said that in a statement. They were not doing interviews today, so we weren't able to ask if pass holders will be given refunds. We caught up with a few of the last skiers on the slopes at Cyprus. I think it's a little I sad, mean, but because it of like the COVID-19 situation, like everything's closing, yeah. makes sense, but... I mean, I, we're not like touching each other out here, though. So I, but I, I understand why it's the precautions. We're sad yeah. about it. Yeah. There's a big panic going on. I think people should just be calm and take it easy. But uh, yeah, I guess where there's a large gathering of people, there's a possibility of spreading the virus. But uh, I think skiing is pretty safe. So. Near Vernon, Silver Star Mountain Resort has also shut down through at least March 22nd. Lodging will remain open there, but they are not taking any new reservations for the remainder of the month. Now, other major resorts like Sun Peaks, Big White and Apex are staying open. At least they are for now, Colleen. All right. Thanks for that, Jordan. We have some breaking news. The city of Delta is closing all recreation and community facilities for the time being, including libraries, arenas, pools and senior centers. The city is also suspending the seniors bus service, except for those in the registered spring break programs. City Hall and all other city services will remain operational. Of course, you can find access to the complete list of facilities and updates on the city website, delta.ca. Effective tomorrow, all recreational facilities will be closed in Surrey. The city says it's being proactive to ensure the health and safety of all of its residents. Recreation centers, arenas, pools and libraries are now closed for the foreseeable future. The city of Surrey's spring break camps and licensed child care programs will continue to operate with prevention measures in place. 
The city of West Vancouver is following suit, announcing late this afternoon that all district public facilities except emergency services and City Hall will be closed effective Monday night. BCIT is the latest school to announce it's moving to online classes. Starting Wednesday, full-time students will receive instruction online. To help with the transition, classes on Monday and Tuesday have been cancelled. As well, all part-time study programs have been suspended indefinitely. UBC, SFU and UVic have already announced plans to move to online-only instruction. UNBC says its last day of in-person classes will be Wednesday as it tries to transition to online instruction. At UBC Okanagan, students were notified that classes of more than 250 people have now been suspended. Capilano University has also canceled classes Monday and Tuesday to prepare to instruct alternatively. Douglas College says it's transitioning to online classes no later than by Friday. Langara is working to transition to online learning. To do this, the college has canceled in-person classes through Tuesday. Camosun College remains open but is transitioning to alternative instruction. Thompson River University is also transitioning to online instruction. For detailed information about the changes, please visit the school's websites. BC Ferries is reducing service between Tawasson and Swartz Bay due to a drop in demand. Four round-trip sailings were cancelled today. On Monday, two sailings were dro- have been dropped. You'll want to check the BC Ferries schedule for more details. As well, the onboard buffet will remain closed. Another note, a production assistant on the TV show Batwoman has been paralyzed in a workplace accident on set in Vancouver. Amanda Smith says she was trapped behind the bucket of a lift on Wednesday. It lowered onto her head and trapped her behind the equipment. She underwent spinal surgery to repair the damage, but significant therapy will now be needed. Smith has lost feeling from the waist down. More than $40,000 has now been raised for her so far. An update tonight on that Surrey rugby team rushing to get back home from the U.K. after a planned short trip was cut short. Players and staff from Earl Marriott Secondary left for London last week. The team was headed for a two-week trip in France, Germany, among other countries. But new travel restrictions cut their plans short due to concerns over the coronavirus. They're heading to Seattle on Monday before Donald Trump's travel ban is enforced making sure that uh, parents are well informed of what's happening. And uh, it, it, it has been a constant uh, struggle of trying to make sure that uh, the kids are having fun and enjoying themselves here. But uh, but knowing that uh, the trip is coming to end is obviously pretty tough for them. They've been looking forward to it for a lot of them for five years. Many Canadians who are trying to get back home as soon as possible are finding it difficult to rebook their flights. Others, like Vancouver Island couple Mark Tardif and Anne-Louise McFarland, have been stuck on a cruise as countries deny ships docking access over fears of COVID-19. The authorities from Senegalese and uh, from the ship are negotiating with the government of Chile to try to get us off the ship. We have a flight booked tomorrow evening from Santiago to Toronto, then Vancouver, then Victoria. And I guess we just have to wait and see if we can get on it or not. For anyone planning a wedding this spring or summer, the COVID-19 pandemic is causing a lot of uncertainty. As the nuptial season approaches, wedding planners in the Thompson Okanagan are encouraging brides and grooms to have a plan B. Shelby Tom has more. 
Wedding tourism is a popular industry in the Thompson Okanagan, but the coronavirus pandemic is causing uncertainty for pending nuptials. Many brides and grooms plan their weddings months or years in advance, making deposits to secure their date. But last week, BC banned large gatherings of more than 250 people, and further restrictions are possible in an effort to curb the spread of COVID-19. I know that it's definitely impacted weddings. Nicole says some BC venues are reconsidering hosting large gatherings, even if the threshold is under 250 people. There are some locations that have been calling people saying that they are not comfortable hosting large events anymore. However, Penticton event coordinator Tammy Foster says she's unaware of venues in the Okanagan refusing to host spring weddings at this point. Most of our weddings are held outdoors in vineyards, um, so we have nice fresh air. Um, we haven't had any issues so far. But given the rapidly evolving COVID-19 situation, both planners encourage brides and grooms to have a plan B. Always have another venue, possibly um, a private location. Foster says deposits are non-refundable. But in saying that, we're, really, we're willing to uh, move the date. We're willing to even postpone it for next year. Um, so we're hoping that we, everybody can work within those parameters. They also advise couples to double-check bookings with hair and makeup professionals. Popular makeup retailers such as MAC and Sephora are temporarily suspending makeup applications. Nicole says many vendors are self-employed and rely on wedding season to stay financially afloat. These are our clients and we don't want to, to hurt them, but we can't get hurt financially either. So. We're trying to do a happy medium for everybody. Keep an open mind, and if we have to move the date, then we can we can all be very accommodating. Shelby Tom, Global News. A Metro Vancouver bride set to walk down the aisle in just two weeks. She's now putting her big day on hold. Yeah, so we could do the even DJ table there. Jenny Kong booked UBC's historic Cecil Green Park house for her March 28th wedding. She and her groom are hosting fewer than 250 guests, so the ceremony could go ahead. But Kong says her relatives on the East Coast have started to cancel on her because of the coronavirus. Her wedding planner agreed to work with her and transfer her non-refundable deposit to a new date. Kong realized her $35,000 day was going to have to wait in order to keep everyone healthy. It was kind of looking a lot like I don't have a lot of people from my side coming and obviously for a wedding it's, it's pretty disappointing so it's kind of like well if I want those people there then moving it is probably a better idea. It's like anger and then upset and then disappointment and then it's like okay I'm fine everything's fine it is what it is and part of life and no one wants to do like no one wanted this pandemic. Obviously it's not easy to try to get 10 vendors uh, you know, those exact vendors on a different date, but we're all trying to figure it out together and make it as easy and, uh, as possible on the brides and grooms because they obviously don't need any more stress than they're already dealing with. Kong has tentatively rebooked the Point Grey Cliffs venue and hopes to be able to tie the knot in August. We hope so, too. We will have more COVID-19 coverage throughout the newscast. And because the information is changing continually, we have a special web page to track all of the developments. You can go to globalnews.ca slash BC and click on coronavirus in BC.
Compared to many countries, including our own, America was late to the game in tackling the COVID-19 outbreak. But now states across the country are closing bars, restaurants and schools. The U.S. federal government is also considering banning gatherings, gatherings of 50 people or more and may also ban all domestic flights. Already imposed travel restrictions are causing chaos for air travelers with wait times for extra screenings exceeding two hours at some major airports. Heightened states of emergency across the nation as a number of coronavirus cases soars above 3,000. Tonight, elected officials taking unprecedented measures to keep people safe. Illinois and Ohio closing all bars and restaurants beginning tonight. California shutting down bars and wineries and asking those 65 and older to self-isolate. We recognize around the rest of the world that we need to meet this moment head on. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio closing all New York City public schools, affecting more than one million students starting tomorrow. There is a real possibility that by closing our schools now, we may not have the opportunity to reopen them in this full school year. Puerto Rico declaring a curfew and closing all non-essential businesses. And more than 40,000 residents in Teaneck, New Jersey, ordered to self-quarantine. During this public health crisis, major retailers are also going dark. Bars and restaurants could be next in New York City. Every option is on the table. This is a crisis that will be with us, first of all, I believe at least six months. Meantime, confusion leading to chaos at U.S. airports under the administration's European travel ban. Lines stretching for hours in New York, Dallas, and Chicago's O'Hare. Beth Kander described her 30-hour travel nightmare. It felt like being in some sort of dystopian novel because we didn't know if we were going to be quarantined or if the nine hours that we've been in the air, things had become so bad on the ground in the States that they didn't want us to get off the plane for those safety reasons. They should have increased the Customs and Border Patrol uh, numbers, and they should have increased the number of CDC personnel on the ground doing those checks. They did neither of those. COVID-19 has killed more than 5,000 people around the world. As cases spike, some countries are taking radical action to slow the spread of the virus, closing borders and imposing mandatory quarantines on anyone arriving from overseas. Britain's health secretary confirmed today that measures similar to ones used during wartime will soon be imposed across the UK. Anyone over 70 years old will be told to stay indoors, potentially for months. Car manufacturers will be told to produce medical equipment and hotels will be turned into hospitals. We are going to take the powers to make sure that we can quarantine people if they are a risk to public health, uh, yes. And that's important. And take other action that you just normally wouldn't. Meanwhile, Denmark closed its borders yesterday to everyone except its citizens and residents. Germany is set to follow suit, shutting borders with France, Switzerland and Austria. The Czech Republic, which has already closed its borders, is now weighing a nationwide quarantine. And in Australia, anyone arriving will now be forced to self-isolate for 14 days and foreign cruise ships are banned from docking. Fraudsters are trying to take advantage of the pandemic crisis. U.S. Customs agents seized a package at Los Angeles International Airport filled with vials mislabeled as COVID-19 test kits. The package stated it was sent from the U.K. The shipment was turned over to the Food and Drug Administration for analysis. 
Customs and Border Protection says people should be aware of bogus at-home testing kits. Authorized testing for COVID-19 is only conducted by verified local health labs and agencies. And in this country, it's absolutely free of charge. We have some breaking news. Great Canadian Casino is temporarily suspending all 10 of its operations as of midnight tonight. The corporation says it has no known cases of COVID-19, but the measure has been deemed to be in the best interest of public health and aligns with efforts to stop the spread. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Of the virus. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. How the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra was able to deliver a concert right to your own home today. We're going to have that right after Yvonne's forecast. And Yvonne, you know, the weather right now has been the, the happy news we've been dealing with today because there isn't much of it right now. And it's nice because we're able to still get outside, get some fresh air. We can stay uh, relatively um, away from people with a bit of social distancing. All right. Uh, temperatures have been very chilly. We've got a very cold start to the morning once again tomorrow. The winds, if you're heading out this evening, still breezy for many areas that are closer to the water. Here's a gl- quick glance at what it looks like overlooking English Bay. We're at six uh, degrees. A northwesterly wind sustained at 30, but we still have gusts just over 40 kilometers per hour, so still windy towards the evening. A beautiful shot that was captured in Norbury Lake Provincial Park. So, Sheila, thank you so much. This is in the East Coot and in Squamish from Tantalus Lookout sent in from Rob. So some fantastic photos uh, out there today. We are, we were seeing very windy conditions. I did want to give a quick snapshot yesterday. Very impressive. For example, Cathedral Point with over 140 kilometers per hour gusts. Squamish just over 80 in areas near Agassiz at 65. Temperatures yesterday as well as we kick things off for the early morning hours. The coldest on record for Clinton at minus 19.9. A record of minus 8.7 and that was back in 2007. We just had a handful or just close to a dozen. That was for yesterday and the potential to see unofficial numbers for today. Vancouver was included within that. Minus 3.6 so rounding it up to minus 4. The old record of minus 2 was set back in 1976. Highs today got up to 6 degrees but there is a nice improvement on the way. We'll get into the double digits and I'll have more with your long range forecast in just a moment. A quick glance though if you're heading out early tomorrow morning a numbers to the left, that's the lows that we'll see. And then the wind chill, for example, in Kelowna, it'll feel closer to minus 14. Areas near Revelstoke at minus 12. And for Abbotsford, stretching into the Fraser Valley, minus 1, the wind chill at minus 10. We've got a ridge that is going to build in. It'll flush out some of the colder air. Many spots, even in towards the interior, will get back into the double digits. Still quite breezy along the north and central coast, so keep that in mind overnight and through the early morning hours. The piece with the wind chill at minus 10, sunshine over the next three days. We do have a few clouds in the mix, but still remaining dry. Whitehorse will start off at minus 10. Temperatures will be up to minus 2 through the day. Coastal sections still still windy for tomorrow. Inland up to 10 degrees on Wednesday. We'll start to see that increase in temperature and most spots for the Caribou and Central Interior. Clear skies and very calm winds. 
Fog developing and then dissipating through the morning by the afternoon, sunny with a high up to one. Columbia and Kootenai will also see a few morning fog patches. Temperatures will feel closer to minus eight. Tops in Okanagan, wind chills into the minus double digits. Sunshine across the board for Whistler, but do bundle up. Double digits by Tuesday, Wednesday, and above the average. And across the island, it may still be breezy, especially for areas that are closer to the water. Highs up to 11 or five-day forecast. Fantastic. We are going to be seeing temperatures into the double digits over the next couple of days. A look ahead potentially on Wednesday, Thursday. We could get up to 11 or 12 degrees. Areas from the water, away from the water, Carleen could even get up to 14 or 15. So pleasant, plenty of sunshine the weather picture over the next couple of days. Back to you. Lovely. Thank you so much, Yvonne. It is said music soothes the savage breast and feeds the soul. Well, knowing that, the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra delivered a powerful performance today to lift our spirits. Just part of Beethoven's Sixth Symphony, Pastoral. A live stream for fans this afternoon. The orchestra was in the midst of the highly anticipated Beethoven Fest when it was swept up in the COVID-19 cancellations. They weren't allowed to fill the Orpheum, so the ensemble decided to bring the joy of music to fans in a different way. Even though people cannot come to the concert hall, we want to give music. Give music uh, from our hearts and um, maybe help a little bit in these turbulent times. This is a way to bring people together around the world as, as we do this social distancing um, exercise. Uh, this is something we can do to help bring people together. The word symphony means coming together and um, it's what we know how to do best. That's great. Gotta love it. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's the little, it's the little things that make all the difference. Gotta make the best of a good situation and hopefully people are working together to because there's no there's no map for this. No, right? No, People it's are, changing every minute. Literally, everyone's affected, and you know, in sports and you know, whatever. Take it for what it's worth. But for a lot of uh, kids or students or any athletes, they have one shot at a tournament or a championship, and for a lot of them, it's been taken away. Nothing they can do. We have that story with the UBC hockey team. First time in nearly half a century that they qualified for the Nationals, and wouldn't you know it. Oh. Yeah. So that's been the story for a lot of people. We'll, we'll talk to some of the players. They came back yesterday, obviously very disappointed, but as Todd, Bertuzzi, Todd Bertuzzi said, uh, basically, it, it is what it is, it unfortunately. Is Okay, Barry, time for another abbreviated sportscast. Yes, yes, we don't know how long uh, this will all last, <laughs> hopefully. We're, we're, we're hoping, like everyone, that it returns to normal soon, but what's normal? You know, these are questions. All right, thanks, Colleen. Uh, well, everyone's world is uh, being turned upside down right now. You feel for people who've been organizing trips or events for months and maybe even years, and all of a sudden they have to pull the plug at the last minute. Now, in many instances, a trip or an event can be rescheduled, but... Often in the sporting world, that is not the case. Time waits for no one. And in the case of the UBC Thunderbirds hockey program, they were literally moments away from playing their first game at the national tournament in nearly half a century. They hadn't qualified since the 70s. When they got word, the tournament was canceled. You might understand why it has to happen, but it doesn't make it any easier to deal with. Jay Jana, or as more as the team returned back to Vancouver last night, incredibly disappointed. Smiles are tough to come by for the UBC men's hockey team. Instead of playing for a national hockey championship, they're picking up their luggage at Vancouver International Airport. This after the coronavirus claimed another sporting event. 
it's obviously gut-wrenching. I mean, we were going there to win. We weren't going there just for the experience. We wanted to give it our shot, and the fact that we didn't even get that chance sucks. Um, obviously, the world's at a different place right now, and everybody's got their own situations going on, and they thought, did what they thought was best. It's just extremely unfortunate for all of us. And that is going to do it. The UBC Thunderbirds with an upset for the ages as they knock off the number one seed, University of Alberta Golden Bears, and the T-Birds are going to the national tournament. Having the rug pulled out from underneath you is brutal at the best of times. What makes this even worse is UBC was in the midst of a magical playoff run, one where the T-Birds knocked off the top seeds in Canada West to make it all the way to the Nationals, a national championship visit that was over four decades in the making. Uh, obviously, uh, going there, we were super excited. You know, first time in 42 years for a program, and we were looking to uh, put a program on the map. And then, you know, being there and, and watching the games on Thursday built up a lot of excitement. And then getting that news Thursday night, it was, it was gutting. You know, it sucked for me being a fifth year. I'd, I would have loved to finish, finish out with the boys and have that opportunity. But it, it sucks for everyone. But, but it was done for a very important reason. A, a wide range of emotions. Uh, disappointment, obviously. I mean, these guys have had one heck of a season. Um, you know, such a story to get to this point. First time in 43 years to have an opportunity to play at the national championship and then to have it dashed, you know, in, in a matter of seconds. Uh, so shock and disappointment, you know, a real wide range of emotions. And especially for our older players, for our fifth-year guys, um, this would have been an amazing way to end their Canada West and, and U Sports career, and, and they were robbed of that chance. Well, the one major sport that is making news today is in its off-season, but it's big news for NFL fans. NFL players have voted to accept a new collective bargaining agreement that runs through at least 2030, meaning no labor disruptions for the next decade. It was a very close vote. Just over 51% voted yes. Now, the biggest changes in the New Deal, the regular season now has 17 games up from the usual 16, but that will not go into effect until 2021. And in the new agreement, 14 teams make the playoffs, up from 12, meaning only the top team in each conference will get a first-round buy, and the players' share of revenues jumps from 47% to 48 and a half. And the Tennessee Titans have re-signed quarterback Ryan Tannehill to a four-year, $118 million contract. $62 million of that is fully guaranteed. You have to think this puts to bed the rumors of Tom Brady signing with the Titans. Tannehill led the Titans to the AFC Championship game, threw for 22 touchdowns, just six interceptions. He was also named the NFL's Comeback Player of the Year. He finished the season with an NFL-high 117.5 passer rating. Major League Soccer was the one league that had said it would allow teams to train together during this pause in the season, but today they announced no training now allowed until at least March 20th, which is this Friday. The league had suspended operations for 30 days on March 12th. Like everyone, they will take a wait-and-see approach as to when to give the teams the go-ahead for uh, practices. So that's what the Whitecaps said. They were going to come up with a kind of a schedule, not to overtrain, but to be ready, but... You know, that was their plan a week ago. Things change day by day. 
Take the kids up the Sea to Sky Gondola for free this spring break. Head to Squamish to the reopened Sea to Sky Gondola where you can take the 885 meter climb above sea level to get astonishing views of Howe Sound, Shannon Falls, and the surrounding majestic mountains. From March 14th through March 29th, kids 12 and under ride free during spring break up to three children. Once you reach the summit, spend the day exploring the snow-covered wonderland with the various trails and activities. Visit SeaToSkyGondola.com for details. A BC organization that helps feed hungry kids is sending out a plea to the public to stop panic buying. What we're seeing is kind of unprecedented people taking months and months worth of food and not leaving enough for those who really need it. Backpack Buddies provides children in need with backpacks full of food on weekends when they can't access school-based meal programs. Now the organization says the hoarding phenomenon is putting its charitable work on hold by forcing them to delay expansion to Port Hardy next month and putting existing services to more than 1,300 kids in the Lower Mainland in jeopardy. Our food supply chain has become really uncertain. Um, we work with um, some suppliers who have let us know that um, they're having a hard time keeping their own shelves full and are concerned that they may not be able to fill our mass orders that we place every three weeks with them, which means we may not have food very soon to give to kids that really need it. Well, for a lot of us, the uncertainty of what's ahead with the novel coronavirus is bringing understandable anxiety and fear. And that can ob have obvious effects on our mental health. More now on what you can do to keep calm. And while this story is from the U.S., it applies here, too. Shut down. It's going to get worse. Suspending all travel. It's worst percentage drop since America, the anxious. The whole world, I feel like, is like shutting down right now. The unseen danger of coronavirus with visible impact. I worry about the people in my life. I look at my 401k and I about have a heart attack. Threatening our physical and mental health. Dr. Varma, what makes this crisis different from others? So with other crises, we knew that there was a very clear endpoint, mm -hmm. and the uncertainty is what's making this so scary. Psychiatrist Sue Varma says it's a triggering event for those with pre-existing conditions like anxiety. For others, it fuels a loss of control. There seems to be a palpable sense of panic. We see it in the panic buying in stores, is one example. Is this reasonable behavior? What we're finding is that people feel that there is sort of this um, pervasive sense of danger and helplessness. Even our traditional ways of coping and comforting are affected. Many religious services suspended. Large gatherings and celebrations banned. It's now social distancing instead of the healing power of touch. Isolation that can lead to loneliness, especially in the most vulnerable. It's a big concern for city meals in New York, serving homebound seniors. You know, no hugs, handshakes and kisses right now. It's all elbow work and greetings a little bit from afar. To fend off despair, Dr. Varma recommends movement, exercise and deep breathing, mindfulness, being calm and aware of your emotions, and meaningful engagement, staying connected with FaceTime, calls, or even writing letters to loved ones. We also need to realize that there's a, a, a role for healthy escapism. There's nothing wrong in taking 15 to 30 minutes out and watching your favorite show. To stay healthy in uncertain times. Ann Thompson, NBC News, New York. And it's affecting us all. When we come back, how to celebrate a 67th wedding anniversary when you're separated by COVID-19. Next.
Here's a look at your snow report for tonight. Grouse with a base of 385, Sasquatch 337, Manning Park a base of 207, Revelstoke 260, two new centimeters for Fernie, Kicking Horse a base of 218. Big White, a base of 305, 216 for Sun Peaks and Apex with five new centimeters. Mount Washington, a base of 190, 305 for Whitewater, Red Mountain 253, and Powder King 423. An elderly couple in Connecticut, separated by coronavirus measures, found a way to celebrate their 67th wedding anniversary. Could you read my sign? Could you read my sign? Bob Shellard's wife, Nancy, is at a nursing home where no visitors are allowed due to COVID-19 concerns, and I'm going to lose it here. <laughs> Bob will have to wait a full 30 days for the visitor ban to be lifted, but he's making the best of a bad situation. On the married couple's 67-year anniversary, Bob showed up at the nursing home with a sign that says, I've loved you. 67 years and still do happy anniversary holding it up outside the window so his wife could see it bob says he feels bad that his wife can't celebrate with him but he's glad the sweet gesture made nancy smile it makes me feel bad because i i wanted her down with me and i know she can't she's always smiling and there's just a sweetness to the two of them and what they share It'll cheer you up or make you Heck, cry. Did you talk very young. <laughs> we can't talk. More a little of a clap. For my 67th anniversary, if I can't, I, I plan on doing the same thing. We'll okay. send a camera for you. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Take care. Good night.